This message is made available by the partners and friends of Breakthrough Miracle Life. Hatcha Life broadcasts every Wednesday and Sunday on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, and on internet radio at MixLR. Dot com forward slash That's why the scripture is very careful to warn us. It says, Hold fast to that which you have. Hold fast to the little that you have. Hold fast. Because it tells them, But you have a little faith. And you have not failed. It says, Hold fast to that which you have. There is the message I have for you today, child of God, is hold fast. Hold fast. We must hold fast to the things. It would be a tragedy for God to have given us such a great experience, such a great season of growth in His Word, growth in prayer, growth in study of the Word, growth in fasting, growth in, in communion. Only for us to slide back to where we were or even become worse than we were before. For many, this is a danger. Because some people, it becomes that much worse. Before long, they can't even attend anymore. Something has happened. They've gotten caught up. They need to catch up with missed time, supposedly. Lost time, supposedly. Never realizing that God created that time for them and they need to keep it up hold fast so we say the problems of this world snatch the word they get problems for so many people that's what that's what's happening you are in faith you are in excitement then issues have come and it can be easy if your roots are not solid so that you can get down to the moisture you dry up. The secret is in deep roots. And how do you... Div- you see, deep roots are interesting. Because every plant has potential to develop roots. Every plant. So, you've got to make the choice to dig deeper. It is the state of your heart that must push you to say, I choose not to be shallow. I choose to go deeper I remember it was beginning of the whole season when God spoke to me and said start a program and call it strong meat and when we started it well up to today I guess I had no clue what I was going to be saying it was one of those things where the Lord said you start the program I'll tell you what to talk about I remember the first day setting up the camera connecting a wired mic to it and sitting in front in that um, garishly orange uh, chair and beginning to just talk and I found myself talking about death of all things and but I had no clue where God was taking us or the path on which he was taking us at the time a year later we can tell because he prepared us without there are many people who without that solid foundation of understanding death they would have been destroyed by what happened around them in fact for many of us death came quite close in our families throughout that whole season and there are many i know who in the beginning were excited by the messages 
Some of them, it was the content. They, they, they had this thing. I'd never heard about angels like that. There was this excitement. The problem came when things started getting a little tougher. When we started dealing with things like strongholds, and now it's, uh, it's poking at some things you really don't want to be poked at. It's uh, pushing at some areas you really don't want to be dealing with. Mm? And that's when you, uh, you, 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 we began to see some drop off. Why? Because now it was getting tough. Now there were some major bones in within with the meat. You choose what kind of soil you are. The word is sowed, but it is your decision which kind of soil to be. Because every time you read through scripture, God says, harden therefore not your heart. So, God himself is telling you not to harden your heart. Which means the choice for what kind of heart you have is in your hands. And I want us today to take time and reflect and ask yourself, what were the good spiritual habits, the good spiritual activities, the good spiritual things that I developed through this season that I have stopped now or I have begun to slacken in? What was I doing then that I'm not doing now? And then begin to make a deliberate effort to create room for those things. Yes, the circumstances have changed. Maybe, yes, you have less time now than you had then. That's true. Because obviously lockdowns are being lifted, things are changing. Maybe you are working remotely and now you're being asked to go back to office. Things have changed. But here is the thing about life. If you sufficiently value something you will create time and room for it. When you sufficiently realize what it is that you want, when you go on and you keep reading um, in Matthew, he brings up another parable. And the parable he brings up is very interesting. He says, the kingdom of heaven, remember he mentioned that these are secrets of the kingdom of heaven. So when he talked about the seed, then he brings up all these other parables. He's bringing up the kingdom of heaven. And he says, it is like a man who found a treasure in a field and he buried it again then he went and sold everything that he had so that he could come and buy the field what has happened is this guy finds something and it is so valuable to him that he is willing to sell everything he has to own it again he gives another illustration and he says the kingdom is like a merchant who found a pearl of great price and he went and sold everything he had so that he could buy this pearl what all that is showing you prioritization someone gets the kingdom they realize the value of this message that they've gotten. They realize the value of what God has done in them and they make it their utmost priority to the exclusion of everything else. The idea of selling everything you have to buy it is saying, I am valuing this much higher than anything else. I am valuing the peace with God that I got in this season above every other thing, so I am going to do my best to treasure it. I am valuing the communion I got with the Holy Spirit. The, uh, the depth I have been getting in the word. That I am going to do whatever it takes. Never to miss a session when I am being taught the word of God. 
I am valuing the time I've been having with God so much that I will rearrange everything of my life around it and make it the priority of my life. This is what literally it's saying to us. That there are those for whom the moment the circum whenever the moment it ceases to be convenient, the thing dies. Because when they say the problems, that means it ceases to be convenient. What it talks about, he says, and persecution. So without persecution, they were fine. The moment persecution came, the seed died. Why? Because it ceased to be convenient. The question you've got to ask yourself is, are you a believer of convenience? Are you a believer of convenience? It's very easy, you know. In fact, let me tell you, for many, even when you come into sensitive areas like giving, it was easier to give during the lockdown. After all, the money you normally spend eating out, you no longer could spend it anyway. Whatever you are spending normally on all your other activities, so, well, it is there you could give it. Now what happens when the activities have resumed again? When you can finally go on vacations again? You know, finally, eh, you, can, you can buy some tickets and go on a holiday again after a year. Will you still retain what you were doing before? Or will you say, well, uh, uh, but you know, it has been a long year. Man, I've not seen a vacation since then. Uh, uh. You know, this tithe here can wait. It is very easy to slide back like that. It's very easy to pick up and go back to business as usual before. And the tragedy is getting to that point when the Lord asks you questions. Says, I gave you a moment. I gave you a time to rearrange your whole life to make me a priority. And you went back to your old self. See, Paul writes in Corinthians and he says something very powerful. He says, these things were written for us as examples. And when he says this, he's writing about the Israel, he's talking about the Israelites in the wilderness. And he says, these things were written for us as examples. Why does he say it that way? When you look at those Israelites in the wilderness, they were like us. They were so quick to revert to what they had always known. They were always eager to revert. I mean, shortly after coming through the Red Sea, great miracle. They find waters that are bitter. In fact, they call the place Mara, meaning bitter. And what happens? They start complaining. Did you bring us out of Egypt to bring us what we can die of thirst in this wilderness? Immediately. They had immediately forgotten the miracle that had just happened at the Red Sea. It is so easy for us to begin. In fact, the worst part of it is this. When you are in Egypt and Egypt is hard... You are crying out to be delivered from Egypt. The problem is our memories fade. Later, after time has passed, the memories of the beatings and the misery have faded. And now you, you can only see the current problem 
And the current problem is more real to you than the faded memories of the suffering. So you can now begin to rationalize what you are going through then because of what you're facing now. And so you start saying, ah, ah, we were better off in Egypt. At least we had fresh water there. We're not going to die of thirst. But while you were in Egypt, you were crying out for deliverance. And that's how we slide back. Moses goes to the mountain. Here is the interesting part about Moses and the mountain. Moses goes to the mountain and spends 40 days there. In those 40 days, Moses is up there. He's communing with God. God is writing for him the Ten Commandments on stone tablets. Israel, meanwhile, is waiting at the foot of the mountain. But here is the interesting thing. During that time they are waiting. There is a cloud covering them by day. And a pillar of fire by night. Every day. And there is water from the rock. And there is manna on the ground for them to eat. But they get to a point where they say, This Moses here, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron, you need to solve this. Make us another God that will lead us back to Egypt. Can you imagine every day they were seeing the evidence that God is still with them. There was a cloud covering them. There was a pillar of fire keeping them warm at night. And there was supernatural food on the ground every day. But they were like, we don't know what has happened to this Moses. We need a God to take us back. You can be in such a season when at the beginning you appreciated what God was doing. Maybe when you first started to pray, you first started to tithe, you first started to give, you were like, eh, things changed. I am seeing the protection of God. I am seeing the hand of God. Then you get so used to those things. They become so normal to you, you can no longer see them. And now because there is some other things you are praying for and you can't see those ones yet, you don't have the patience to wait. Where is this Moses? It has been 40 days. There is no sign of him. Let's go back to Egypt. At that point when they decided to go back to Egypt, it was not because things were not working. They actually had coverage, they had warmth, they had water, and they had food. But, they are like, but this waiting, isn't God going to do anything? Bandange, where is Moses? What shall we do? Where, you know, because there's that sense of things are not moving. You know, someone today was telling me, ah, ah. now, this is someone I, I was amazed, you know. This is someone who, they were like, I have never found a ministry like Breakthrough. I thank God for this COVID thing. It brought me to find breakthrough. Yeah, where would I ever found it if it was not for what? But my life changed. I mean, they were always testifying. Now here is the problem. Things have changed. Life has started moving on again. And they begin to feel like, but I have been praying. I've been what? But God is not moving. Me, I don't understand. And I'm thinking, what about all the other testimonies you were giving before? You've gotten so used to them that you cannot celebrate God anymore. 
the things. I mean, these guys were eating supernatural food, but they were so used to eating it that they no longer even saw the supernatural in it. They were having supernatural coverage from the sun's rays, but they were so used to the cloud being there that they had even forgotten that it was the literal presence of God covering them. They were so used to the pillar of fire at night that they took it for granted. They saw it every day. Now they're just impatient. This Moses has taken too long. Let's make another God. And Aaron makes them a golden calf. From their own money, by the way. They say, I'll bring gold. But from their own money. And that's how we create gods out of our money. Man, it has been long. Some of you, your habits changed. Hmm? You develop new ones. You develop new habits of study. You develop new habits of meditation and worship. I mean, why? Because it was enforced in a way. And you see, let me tell you, COVID and that year was like the wilderness for the Israelites. Because you see, to break you out of Egypt, you need a wilderness before you get into a promised land. Because it takes long. It's very easy to declare emancipation. But it is emancipation is a process. You can break the yoke of slavery, but the person is still a slave in their head. They still think like a slave. A slave. They still operate like a slave. They still live like a slave, even though you've declared that they are free. That's why you find, actually... That God had to give them a period of similar conditions. Why do I say similar conditions? When you are a slave, when there were slaves in Egypt, they toiled and labored, but every master feeds his slaves and gives them where to sleep. To keep them energetic so that they can work tomorrow. They don't have, they don't make decisions about their own life because the master determines everything to do with them. And that's when he brought them out of Egypt, he had to give them a transition period where he's still giving them food every day, he's still giving them cover every day, because they didn't know how to run their own households. They never had to make those decisions. They were made by their masters for them. Now, we come out of where we were. We are in this wilderness season, but it is very easy to come to that place and you just want to go back to that comfort that you knew then. The comfort zone beckons again. You had developed some habits, but now you're beginning to slide back. The time when you should have spent it in prayer, you're once again beginning to watch the shows again. You'd broken the habit, but now you're slipping back into it. Maybe you had stopped certain hanging out, but now... You're beginning to get tempted to slide back into that lifestyle. And you don't realize that should you do so, there is not another chance. There was no mercy for Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. The ground swallowed them up. God reacted very badly every time they, react, they, they, did, they, they, they got on their go back to Egypt kind of ways. Snakes. All sorts of things happened their way. Plagues. He was looking at them and saying, you're so ungrateful. Child of God, is your seed dying because you never dug 
deep enough. You never dug deep enough to be sustained when the conditions that were forcing you are gone. Because for some, your devotion was because of circumstance. When the circumstance was forcing you, that, that was forcing you is gone. Do you have deep enough roots to remain? Or are you so shallow that the, the seed will die? That's a question for you. But then we see the next one. And this is what happens to our next category of people. They, it says the seed grows. But the thorns. And here is the interesting description of our thorns. Hmm? They hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares, riches, and pleasures of this life. You see, I know a lot of people who get seasons of being woken up. What seems to be like seasons of revival. But then all too quickly the realities of life intrude. Many of us were brought face to face with our mortality. With the fact that life was so ephemeral it could end at any moment. And this caused us to reevaluate what was important and what wasn't important. I was... Um, I've been talking to a lot of people in this season. I find it, especially in Uganda, and I found it very interesting. I know a lot of couples that got married, for example, during COVID, and they had nice small weddings. Now, you know, things are changing. And what's amazing to me is people are quickly, the same people who are talking about, ah, it's wonderful, people are finally rediscovering what... uh, Weddings really mean not the other big bidandali. The same people are talking like that are already now pressuring and pushing to do huge unmanageable functions. And you're like, what about the other lessons you are talking about you had learned? Have they ended? What happened? What about the ones who were praising the son of the archbishop for? You know, that small wedding he did and a few people at the dining table and they were, they were like, wow, that's what it's meant to be like. Like, eh, now they're then saying, what has happened? We so quickly lose these things because we go back. And what happens? It says the pleasures of this life. We quickly, before there was this thing of, shh, no, 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 no. I think we need to be practical. We need to be this. Now we are back to the other mindset. What will people say? What will be the opinions? What, what has happened? We have slid back. God gave us a time out to reflect and reevaluate. And then we have so quickly slid back to the old mindsets. We have so quickly reverted to what we were before. What a tragedy that is. To go back, it would be a tragedy, child of God, that at the end of this season, you go back to exactly how you were in February of last year and January. It would be a great tragedy. 
I have seen many like that. In fact, I'll tell you something that was very interesting. I'll share this, you know, so you get a, a clue. Last year, um, for a very long time, when it comes to breakthrough in Uganda, especially, um, we've literally Flavia and I, and probably Pastor Alan and you know, literally supported the ministry. They were always short. So I would have to take money from my own travels, from other things, and you know, and you know, partners who partner with me and put it in the ministry to sustain it. COVID started, and everything changed for the first time ever. The ministry was sustaining itself financially. In fact, I would call and be like, "I haven't seen. Don't you guys have a shortage?" Like, no, 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 we even have surplus. Like, really? What happened? Yet our expenditure had increased because the numbers of people at home increased. We were feeding them. We were taking care of them. Many of the families were sending food to them. It was interesting that our expenditures had increased, but the income. Then you know what happened? I noticed earlier this year, as soon as activity resumed, the giving dropped again. And for me, the giving is not an issue. I can, I, I am so happy I can keep sustaining the ministry. For me, I'm like, thank you, Lord. <laughs> if you can make me a sustain of your word, <laughs> keep bringing. I'll keep giving. You know, I have no problem with it because as an, I've never been in it for what people give. But what it was reflecting to me of the state of people's hearts was the scary part of it. Because it showed me that now the busyness of life has come back. That the transformation was not permanent. The the word never actually sank deep enough. Because had it sunk deep enough, they would know that their giving, their tithing was not dependent on the fact that they have nothing else to spend the money on. It was about principle about obedience, about submission, about lordship. They would know that their giving before had nothing to do with there is a need. No, it had everything to do with worship. So, are they worshipping less now? Are they submitted less now? Those are important questions to us. And it talks about the pleasures of this life. Because now once life resumes, the pleasures also resume. You start planning for that vacation again. You start planning for that car upgrade again. You start planning for that trip again. You start planning for that purchase again. All sorts of things come up now. And they begin to compete This is what the Bible says. You see, the thing about the thorns, the reason the thorns keep the seed that grew up, the plant that grew up from producing fruit, is that the thorns are competing with the plant for nutrients. And the competition keeps it from bearing fruit. Because now you have too many distractions. There are things that are competing for your time and your attention. And your resources. You look, you're like, ha, not this weekend. We have the other program. Then next weekend, ha, Gundi, at we say, wait, 
then that changes. Then the weekend after, ha. Ooh, kuruno. You know, and so these things are competing. And it's dangerous because the Bible tells us that he says, I am the vine my, I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser and says, Any branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes. We can fail to bear fruit because there's too many things competing for our attention, competing for our resources, competing for our devotion. What kind of soil are you? And what kind of plants are growing from you? What kind of soil is your heart right now? But now let's look at the, the final ones. It says, the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. This is uh, NLT Luke 8. I'm not, I'm not in Matthew. I will look at the Matthew version later. It says, what do they hear? They hear God's word, they cling to it, and patiently produce. You see, there came a time when Paul is writing to the church, and he's writing to people who have been in church for a long time. And he has to begin to encourage them. And what does he say? He says, don't grow weary in doing well. For in due time. And then again he says it later. He says, be followers of those who through faith and patience inherit, inherit the promise. And again he writes in, in, in that same book, by the way. He writes, but you have need of patience. That after you have what believed, you will obtain the promise. So there is a key here and it's called patience. And remember, patience is a fruit of the Holy Ghost. So the fruit is meant to hold you, to get you to that place where you obtain the promise. So the third category of people who produce huge harvests, or as Matthew puts it, 30, 60, 100 fold, is for those who first of all they cling to the word they value it so much they cling they are like that one who sold everything and said I'm going to buy the field that one who sold everything to buy the pearl they cling to it they give it value they put a high priority on the, on this newfound depth and communion and relationship with God that they will not allow anything else they cling to it it becomes their utmost priority Remember one time Flavia here was talking, you know, and she said something. I had never really thought about it that way personally. I never realized I react like that. But she said, I noticed that you passionately defend your communion with God. Said you will do anything to maintain your communion with God. 
I had never thought of it that way. But then I began to look back and I realized how every single time I feel like I am, something is happening. I'm drying up. Things are not going well. I will even abandon everything and pack my bags and go back to Uganda to go and lock myself up somewhere just to rekindle that fire. In fact, there have been times when literally I've put our marriage in jeopardy because I'm in that state. I'm like, I don't care what you think, I'm going right now. But it's, it's just, a, it's so valuable to me. It is so important to me that I can put everything on the altar to maintain it. It is of such great price to me that everything is sellable to maintain it. And many times I have had people then ask me, but how do you get the results you get? How do you see the miracles you see? How do you get the kind of prophetic you do? How do you get that kind of depth in God? I said, it's because I have made him my utmost obsession. He's my utmost priority. There is no way you can expect to get the same results without the same dedication and commitment. It's impossible. Can you make that? You make him your obsession. You cling. I cannot afford. The moment you feel like there is a drying up, the moment you feel like uh, you can't, you can't tolerate remaining in that state for even one extra day. Because you know that should you tolerate it for a lot longer, you will slide back and it will be even harder to get back. You know it so much that you crave. You're like, I will do whatever it takes now before it gets worse. Can you get to that place? That is a decision on your part. It's not something the Holy Spirit does for you. It's a decision you make. You make a choice of will to say, I am valuing this above anything else. The moment I feel there is a problem, I will do whatever it takes to keep the fire burning. I will chase after him. I will do a retreat. I will lock myself somewhere. Whatever it takes, but I cannot afford for this flame to die down. I will blow on these coals until they get a, until the flame starts up again afresh. But I cannot afford to go back. You know, we used to sing, Siri Danyuma, Siri Danyuma, Siri Danyuma, Ngenda Maso. Or as, you know, um, McDowell sings, I want to go back to the way it used to be. He says, I refuse to go back. We used to sing a song when we were on campus, we say, I'll never be the same again. I'll never return. I have closed that door. I'll, I'll walk a path, I'll run the race And then we'll sing again And I will never Be the same again that, But notice it says I will, who wills? You You make a decision of will Say I will I will Who wills? You will uh-uh. I will not go back he brought me this far. He, by grace, he gave me an opportunity. He gave me a season to change my life. And I make a decision of will never to slide back to where I was before. Because you think about it. The reason why it is very hard 
The reason why I was saying that it becomes almost impossible is this. If it took a lockdown to deliver you from that lifestyle, what, what is it going to take the next time? What is it going to take? God had to shut down the whole world just to catch your attention. Now what else can he do next time? That's why for some people, the Bible even warns, you know, it talks about those, it says, it is impossible to restore again. And then what I say, those who have tested of the word of life and of the powers of the age to come, he says it is impossible to restore them. Because basically he's saying, I have done everything possible. Now, what more can I do? But what are the best of the best? I have no other best to give them. If that best was not enough, I have no way to restore them again. Choose today to be a follower who through, eh, be one of those who, eh, be a follower of those who through faith and patience obtain the promise. The reality is, most believers, that's where we fail. Faith and patience. Or as the Bible says, you have need of patience. So that what? You may obtain. You have need of patience. So that after, after you've believed, after you've sought, after you, you may obtain the prize. It is deadly to think of failing to obtain the price because you quit along the way. I've seen it many times. People come to you and they're like, how do, eh? how do these things work for you? And you tell them. Then they try it for a season. Then they slide back to defaults. They go back. Mm-mm-mm. In fact, the scripture is very clear. God says, my soul will not delight in the one who turns back. My soul cannot delight in the one who turns back. God has a real problem with people who turn back. He turned Lot's wife into a pillar of salt for looking back. Child of God, today is a warning for us. A reminder, a very sober alert. That we've made great gains. But we are on the cusp of a change of season and we better be alert that the enemy, the thief, does not steal from us what God taught us. I used to laugh. You know, after 20 years in ministry, we've seen these cycles. They are very interesting to watch. Bring a revivalist who preaches about, you know, sin and all and first people first you see a season when there is eh, great change then people revert back to the normal then you bring another one who teaches about giving and they're giving first spikes like this then people go back then you bring some it's like a cycle you know we used to in science we called it a sine wave you know Oh, we used to see those ones. Heaven's gates and hell's flames. People would get saved in huge numbers. Then when they stop being scared, they go back. You know? The fear fades after a while. You know? And they go back to who they were before. 
There was a pastor who told me one time. He said, but pastor, no, I don't understand. Every time you come to my church, their giving goes through the roof until you leave. Said, And then after you leave, two weeks later, people are back to their normal. I said, ha, you have a problem. Because that means the word never actually took root. They gave in the excitement of the moment when I'm preaching and teaching about these principles and the promises of God and how to activate them and everything. I said, but it didn't sink in. The moment they stopped seeing me, the reminder of it went. They didn't trust in God. They trusted in me. They picked up this excitement because I'm on stage and because their testimonies they're hearing here and there, but it never became a life principle for them. It did not take root. It was shallow. Uh, he told me, you know, I, in fact, when he told me that, that's the point at which I told him, because he was telling, you need to come back and teach again. I told him, Mm-mm. you have a much bigger problem. You have an issue of the heart in your people. I said, you have a devotion problem. These people are not devoted to God. They're only looking for what they can get from him. So the moment I am not around, they're thinking, ah, they stop. I said, they have an issue of the heart. You need to deal with the heart sickness first. Because what we have in these categories of people here is heart sickness. One, the heart looks okay on the surface, but it is stony under. That's a heart sickness. The other one, the heart has thorns. That's a heart sickness. A proper heart sickness. Can you be sustained? You know, we talked about at the beginning of lockdown, I remember. We talked about how the lockdown was a test for very many people. Could they be sustained when they don't have church every week to keep them going? And we actually know those who lost who completely lost it because of lockdown. They first held on for about a month. Then afterwards, they fell away completely. Without the constant meeting together with other believers and everything, they did not have the roots to stand. We know people who went back to alcohol, who went back to drugs, who went back to all sorts of habits. Without that Constant fellowship. I know a young man, once he stopped having that constant fellowship, he's struggling with all manner of addictions. What happened? His roots were shallow. His roots were shallow. And you see, it is very, it's very alarming when you think about it that you receive the word says, they received the word with great joy. With great joy. With excitement. But the roots are not deep. So they are seasonal. Seasonal believers. You see it even with people who will... When the message is exciting, that's good. When the meat becomes deep... Things get harder. They start to drop off. 
Because the excitement is gone. They were coming for the sense of, I, I, I left encouraged. I left, you know. But now when you start digging into more complicated things, things that require a lot more research, that require you to put in a lot more attention, to learn the I- intricacies and the nitty gritties, it becomes hard. I often tell people when the sermons become boring, that's the best time to pay attention. The exciting ones, it's easy. You're already shouting amen anyway. That's easy. When they're telling you God wants good stuff for you, it is God's will for you to prosper. God wants, uh, you know, when you do this, uh, there's going to be miracles. There's going to be breakthroughs. Those are easy. Believe God. Hey, those are easy. When it starts getting deeper, now we are talking about devotion. We're talking about service. We're talking about self-sacrifice. We're talking about those kinds of things. That's actually the time to pay the most attention. When it gets boring. When it seems hard. Because that's the time when there is a test. What kind? Is there a rock under or have you developed deep roots to seek out nutrients? Because what causes a plant to have deep roots? It is seeking nutrients. It has the right attitude of seeking. Hallelujah. Now I can see our time is first spent even though I'm enjoying this sermon so much. I want to challenge you today. Go back. Ask yourself what are the things I began doing that I have stopped doing? What have I been doing that I have stopped doing? This is why Jesus gives the messages to the churches in Revelation. In almost all of them, he's reminding them of things they were doing and they had stopped. He talks to a church whose love had grown cold and tells them, go back to your first love. He speaks to a church and says, you have a little faith. He tells them, hold fast to what you have. You see, a Jesus who is coming to a church that has matured over time, has been around for a while, and they've begun to take certain things for granted. And each of them needs a reminder. What reminders do you need? What reminder do you need? Have you begun to take loans from God's tithe? I've been there before. And I can tell you those loans eh, are unpayable. They just keep accumulating. Until after a while you owe God so much money. You even begin saying, Because you keep looking at how much, like, ha. Ah. Sometimes you and I'll tell you the truth. If you're one of those, eh? just make a decision. Just tell him, you know what, Lord? God, I know I won't be able to pay the loans. Now just forgive my debt. Let's start afresh today. He's willing. That's why he told you when you pray, tell him, forgive, forgive my debts. Tell Lord, today I make a decision. Somewhere along the way, I began to see, now you see, this thing has come up, now the other one, and what? Flavia can tell you, I went through a season of like that, I stopped tithing. Ah, yeah, the Divara came, visited us properly. She suffered for me. Uh-huh. You know, because while she was tithing, me had stopped. Ah, yeah. But when the Divara came, we suffered together. The things... 
can you jealously defend what you've gotten? Hold fast to what you have. Jealously defend it. Jealously defend it. Father, we thank you. You are a great and awesome God. We thank you that you are reminding us that this journey is for those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. That this journey, on this journey you are telling us we have need of patience. That we have need of patience. Lord, that you are reminding us that it is those who clung to and with patience With patience, they got a huge harvest. Father, it is my utmost cry that none of your people will fail to inherit the promise. That none of your people will fail to bear that huge harvest that you have for them. That they will run the race. They will hold out. They will not quit. For more information, call or WhatsApp 704 89